Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Shalom from Palm Springs. This is David Lazar, and I'm joined again by my friend David Goldstein, who is in Pittsburgh. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great. Happy to be with you again. Well, today we're going to tackle a difficult psalm, Psalm 16. Although we won't spend so much time on the difficulties, we want to get to one of the chants that you have composed and you have recorded, which of course we'll share with our listeners in just a few minutes. But for now, I'd like to read the psalm from Robert Alter's translation uh, with the caveat that this, the language of this psalm is difficult. It has been transmitted perhaps in a, uh, uh, a difficult way throughout the centuries. Uh, not all, many of the translators would disagree on how to, how to interpret many of the lines in this psalm, especially in the middle part of it. Um, but we'll get, a little, we'll get to that a little bit later as we, we talk about some of the history of interpretation. So as Alter has it, a David Michtam. Guard me, O God, for I shelter in you. I said to the Lord, My master you are, my good is only through you. As to the holy ones in the land, and the mighty who are all my desire, let their sorrows abound. Another did they betroth. I will not pour their libations of blood. I will not bear their names on my lips. The Lord is my portion and lot. It is you who sustain my fate. An inheritance fell to me with delight. My estate, too, is lovely to me. I shall bless the Lord who gave me counsel through the nights that my conscience would, la- would lash me. I set the Lord always before me on my right hand that I not stumble. So my heart rejoices and my pulse beats with joy. My whole body abides secure. For you will not forsake my life to Sheol. You won't let your faithful one see the pit. Make me know the path of life. Joys overflow in your presence. Delights in your right hand forever. The difficulty in this psalm it comes from already from the, the second verse onward, a third verse onward, where, for instance, in an author's translation, as to the holy ones in the land, here holy lands, the holy ones would be little h, little o. This is not talking about angels, and it's not talking about uh, saintly people. It's talking about those who were considered to be holy by others, as in little g, gods. And um, there are those, especially Mitch Dahoud, who was a Jesuit scholar, at the Biblical Pontifical Institute in Rome, but also a great expert in ancient Canaanite literature, the Ugaritic texts, uh, he wants to see in this psalm a kind of a personal psalm of somebody who was converting from the Canaanite polytheism to the Israelite monotheism. And you can read more about that in his commentary. Uh, others would say there's too much conjecture, uh, and Alter himself says, any kind of translation of this part of the psalm is a guest at best, is a, a, a guess at best. 
And so um, I don't want to get too much into the fact that the psalmist is disappointed with this other religion that he or she were, uh, were, were, were observing until this point, but more to the second part of the psalm where um, the Lord is my portion and lot. And in this case, the psalm is, is, is similar to other psalms where there's a declaration, uh, maybe not a prayer as much, but more of a declaration of, of faith. And that brings us to the final words, the final words that, that we want to focus on, David, uh, which are, uh, which I read in Alter's translation, make me know the path of life, joys overflow in your presence, delights in your right hand forever. What, what would be the translation that you'd be using in your understanding for this psalm, David? Uh, so I, I have used, um, you make known to me, um, you cause me to know the path of life. And so, todieni ora chayim, you make known to me the path of my life. And then, so vasumachot et panecha, in your presence is uh, perfect joy. Um, really, really just beautiful words. And, and especially uh, that word todieni, which has at its root, it has that same root, uh, the word yada, uh, to know, which there's so many, so many different uses of that word to know. And it, it goes all the way back to Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve in the garden eat the apple and discover that they're naked. So there's that original opening up the eyes and that true, true knowing. Um, so there's this beautiful causing me to know the path of my life, there, um, which is just gorgeous. Like, um, uh, you know, from, from studying and working with this phrase from a chant perspective, um, really wanting to understand the path of my life. Mm. That word, todiedi, uh, from the, the root yada, yud dalet ayin, uh, which is no, it's also in, in, in the beginning of Genesis, the used in the relationship between Adam and Eve themselves in their intimacy, right? Vadam yadat chava ishto. And, and Adam knew, that as, we, as, we, as we say in America, right? The biblical sense of knowing, right? Yeah, or right. knowing in the biblical sense. So there, it, there is an intimacy there as well. It's not just an intellectual recognition of some knowledge. There's a, there's a, a deep intimacy that perhaps is, also hinted at here. Um, and, and so, so that part, okay, that's the knowledge part. That's the uh, intimacy part. That's the understanding part. But what exactly is it in your, under, in, in your understanding of this psalm? What is it that, we're, we're, that the psalmist wants to understand or expects to understand? Well, so, so um, I, I've become really fascinated with the whole idea of the path. And I, I don't know what, I mean, Rabbi, how do you look at, at your path when you think about life path? How do you think about life path? Is this career to you? Is this, is this moral, ethical? How do you think about path when you, when you think about your life path? Mm. Well, it depends if I'm looking backwards or I'm looking forwards. <laughs> when I look backwards, and I, I kind of chuckle because I've, I've been in a lot of different places, as growing up in Southern California, and knowing as, a, as an adolescent that my path in life was to become a jazz musician. 
but of course never putting enough time to really study the music the way that I need musical theory and instead getting much more involved in religious observance. So my path became to be religiously observant and to become a very, very strong, staunch Zionist after spending uh, 10th grade in Israel. So then my path was, was clear. A path, my path then was to be committed to a halachic lifestyle, a, a style of traditional observance in Judaism, and to live in the land of Israel and to be a farmer, to work the land of Israel. That was my path in my late teens and my early 20s. Um, until I, things were changed for me for various reasons. It doesn't matter right now. But I began to get involved in academic study of Judaism, of the Bible in particular at Hebrew University. And then my path was to understand as much as possible of the ancient text because I felt they didn't have a good background. And that took me through a long time till I, I decided, well, I'm going to have to make a living at some point. So I guess I'm going to have to go into Jewish education. That became my path. And all at the same time, I picked up things on the way. I picked up being an Israeli. So I spent 36 years there of my life. I picked up um, religious observance, but then critical methodology. So reevaluating my, my religious observance. So that became... My path of life was what I'm doing, but critically evaluating it every step of the way, and so on and so forth. And with every new challenge that came, seeing me through to my 60s today, um, I would say it's a combination of what I do to make a difference in the world, what usually, uh, in my case, I've been lucky, I've been fortunate, that has to do with how I make a living, uh, but also how I am as a person. And, um, and how, how I constantly strive to understand my place in the world vis-a-vis -vis other people, vis-a-vis -vis God, and vis-a-vis -vis the creation, and vis-a-vis -vis myself, um, that would be my path. <laughs> There's a, a, short, a, long, a long answer to your very short question. No, and that's, that's, that's really beautiful. So when we go to, when we go to the Psalms and we, so when, when I think about something like when I go to the Psalms and I am asking a question of the Psalms or I'm asking something of a chant, a phrase from a chant, um, you make known to me the path of my life. So I'm asking the question, please help me to know I want to learn something about the path of my life and in your presence is perfect joy. So I'm asking for this promise of joy to come from this chant. And chanting is different from singing a song because when I chant, I'm going to engage with a text energetically and I'm going to sing it repeatedly multiple times. And when I do that multiple times and engage with it, something I'm, I'm asking for something to happen from it. So, so here's an example from from my my life. Um, when in, in my life, um, I told you that I worked for years in the corporate world, and it was a struggle for me um, with with my path because um, I worked in corporate America, and I felt this calling to do musical and spiritual work. And there, were a t and there were times when the pressures and anxieties of my work caused me to lose focus on what in the world am I doing? I felt like I was at times, you know, losing, losing my soul, you know, like, like who is this person that I'm becoming? I thought that I was a spiritual person. I thought that I was, um, you know, this musical person. And here I'm going into work every day. 
in doing this this corporate job like like who am i what what is my path anymore and and am i even making a difference in the world so so i would i would come and ask this question like what is what is my path how am i making a difference should i should i change the work that i'm doing i would i would come and i i would i would chant this chant and what I started to learn was that I had the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of the people that I worked with, the connections that I made. And, and it was in small ways, sometimes it was imperceptible ways. And, um, and I learned over time that I was exactly where I was supposed to be doing the work that I was supposed to be doing in the corporate world but it wasn't it wasn't exactly obvious what i was doing but i engaged with with chanting i did i did the work i asked the questions of of the text and i learned the lessons in that way and and this was my spiritual path and that was kind of how i how i worked with um the psalm and the chant, and that was kind of the lesson that I learned. So, so let's take a break from our talk right now, and why don't we listen to the chant itself? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
So David, um, beautiful, beautiful tune, beautiful tune, the arrangement, the music, um, something catchy. And I can, I can definitely see using this on a walk in meditation, uh, especially when wanting to discern in life, what is the right, right way to go. But what you and I have spoken about until now, uh, connected to the word, the, the phrase or chayim, todi'eni or chayim, is the life in this world right now, here and now. Uh, perhaps you know that um, not only in Jewish, early Jewish commentary, but also early Christian and, and much contemporary Jewish and Christian commentary, this part of the psalm is not referring to what we do right now, but chayim in the sense of life, the afterlife. The afterlife, and some would even say, "Well, here's proof of the afterlife being talked about in the Hebrew Bible, uh, even before the Book of Daniel." For those that are not familiar with this issue, although afterlife is very, very, very central in classical Judaism and Christianity, uh, it was not really found in the Hebrew Bible. This idea of Sheol, which is mentioned here in the pit, Shachat. Um, they're mentioned from time to time, but they're not really places that you go and they're described. There's no, uh, there's, there's no uh, illustrative descriptions of what happens in these places. Um, and, and it's not really until the book of Daniel, which is from the second century BCE, the, the youngest of the, uh, probably if not one, one of the youngest, if not the youngest of the uh, Hebrew Bible books, uh, that we start to hear about what will happen in the in the world to come resurrection, but this psalm was already used um, in a homily uh, in, that is in Peter's uh, mouth, the, the the apostle Peter in the in the book of Acts, and other places in the New Testament, and in rabbinic literature one finds um, also reference to this being. Uh, th this is about the world to come and not the world here. So basically, we have three options here we have well, one option is we can talk about it the way we you and i have been talking until now which is what is the path to take in our lives today the other option is to talk about uh well regardless of what we do here what is going to happen to us in the world to come that's what todiani is is not that don't acquaint me with the right way i should live today but tell me what's going to happen in the world to come or the third option perhaps is um a combination of the two, that what we do now is also our understanding of the world to come. Uh, what, what do you think? Where do you stand on that little, uh, that little scale there? I guess where I stand is that I, I guess I believe that the way that I live my life right now is aligned with the way that I live my life in the world to come, that I, I live my life with the values that are consistent that I, I live, I live a good life that is consistent with a life in the world to come. I think that's mm -hmm. how I stand. How about you? Well, I, I'm not one that deals much with the world to come. I, I kind of have an allergy to it. I, I, it's not, you know, I, I'm kind of concerning myself with what needs to be done right now. I understand very much the phenomena of dealing with the world to come, especially when there's suffering in the world, right? So it would be easy for you and I to say or it's easier for you and I to say, well, what we, the, knowing God, the path, the path of life is knowing what to do now, which will take us into whatever happens to us afterwards. But the difference would be with somebody who's in constant suffering, poverty, health, emotional, 
a constant state of pain, it's not so easy to, you know, it, it's, it's, it seems to be easier just to focus on, well, what's going to happen in the world to come, right? And um, I, what I found, one of, my, one of the, the bridges for me between orthodoxy of my youth and returning to my liberal progressive Jewish roots, I was born in a, in a, in a, a liberal conservative movement home, um, going back had a lot to do with, I, I realized lots of people were making decisions for their lives and how they affected other people not on what would happen right now, but what might happen in the world to come, which nobody has any real proof. In other words, we, we mistreat people, people in, uh, who are, it often happens that people who are religiously observant, they're more worried about the relationship with God than they are with other human beings. And that didn't and still doesn't make any sense to me. So as I say, I have, I have a little bit of an allergy when it comes to talking about the world to come. Yeah, I hear you. Well, what can I say? This is, uh, this is, we're entering, we're well into our second month of isolation now, all of us. And it's, it's a time for us, uh, it's a time in which we're able to, we're able to uh, reconsider the paths of our lives in different ways because we're not preoccupied with jumping from one spot to the next all the time. We've slowed down. Uh, we're reevaluating our life and, 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 and reconceiving what it might look like afterwards. And I'm not just talking about where and where, where to go and what you're, if you're wearing a face mask or how many people at the same place. I'm talking about all the big things in life as well. David, have the last few weeks brought you to a closer understanding of what a, a new or a slightly different path of life might look like? Uh, well, I, I have just had a lot of time to... Um, to work on music and spiritual practice and uh, connect with my community in, in remote ways. So it's definitely been a time of reevaluating um, the way that I communicate with the world. So definitely um, jogging my mind and my spirit in a whole new way. So I think things are stirring, definitely. Mm. I also, I feel it's, it's, yeah, it has a lot to do with how I view myself as a, as a communal facilitator, as a rabbi, uh, you know, as it was, we were, we were already disconnected to space by not having a building in the last year and a half. We, in many ways, were virtual as opposed to building based. So uh, this is kind of reinforced what I feel is the importance in my life and the people who I deal with. I'm not saying for everybody everywhere. Um, and, and, and how does one lead prayer and how uh, all the things that are so important that we want to hear people singing together, but if that's not possible on zoom and, um, or it, it, it really gets in the way of intentionality of Kavanaugh, then maybe we need to think about reevaluate what are the most important things when we pray as a group. Uh, I don't have any conclusions, but my ideas are, constantly shifting and I've got more time to read of course and uh, and to prepare well David this is this has been a delightful conversation you you continue in your spiritual work from once upon a time being a businessman in corporate America to being a leader in a tikkun chant circle 
which gathers every every month since uh, 2008. Uh, you've recorded uh, uh, CDs, both in Hebrew and in English, and you compose music and you share that music when you co-lead services at Temple Ohev Shalom in Pittsburgh and also uh, part of the Chavurat Shira, which I had the good fortune to be uh, together with in Kabbalat Shabbat last week. So, um, so thanks again for being here. And uh, we look forward to hearing more of your chants and more of your ideas and your kavanot, your intentionalities behind that music. Thank you so much, Rabbi. It's just such a great honor. And I really enjoy this dialogue with you and uh, really enjoy being with your community. So thanks. Psalm Springs is a production of Or Hamid Bar, Light of the Desert, an organization dedicated to intellectual, spiritual, and social engagement with the Jewish tradition. We're based in Palm Springs, California, and we'd like to give thanks to Madalena Garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production. Please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information. And if you'd like to sponsor a Psalm Springs episode, you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.